How are you doing, Shelby Road? Glad to have you here. Sierras Español, bienvenidos Shelby Road Baptist Church. We're so glad that you guys are here today. My name is Pastor Steve. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, I would love to meet you. Just flag me down. I'm the one wearing the checkered shirt today. So just uh, look for that guy and come and say hi. Uh, if you would like to get together some other time, just call the office. We'd love to uh, make some time for all of you, anyone that we can. Uh, you guys are all important to us as a staff, so we're really glad that you guys are here. Uh, could you guys give an awesome uh, round of applause to our worship team and our production team as they have... Okay, so we are in a series called Lies Believers Believe. Uh, so there are things that come across our radar all the time. And some of them are easy to tell that they're lies, um, but some of them are not easy to tell that they are lies. And particularly this happens to us spiritually, where we uncover uh, beliefs about God, and we tend to buy into them very quickly because they're very easy to believe. And so in this series, we're covering a few, uh, four of them in particular, that we believe are some of the most common lies that believers believe, and we're taking the time to refute them. And last week, we talked about the lie, our lie number one, which was, God loves me, but he doesn't like me, okay? If you didn't get the chance to hear that one, I encourage you to uh, search for our podcast. We're on iTunes, and also you can listen to the sermons on the website, uh, shelbyroad.org. encourage you to take a look at those. Today, we're going to jump into lie number two. I'll get to that in just a moment, but first... Uh, how many of you, by show of hands, have ever had a nightmare travel experience? Yeah, this has happened enough times to people. Uh, road trips can sometimes be this way. You take a road trip and then your car breaks down about halfway to where you're going, right? This happens frequently if you're doing this on a road trip. Sometimes this happens if you're flying, right? No, airlines never do anything to make things difficult for us. It never, ever happens. Sometimes it's, not that the, sometimes it's not that anything has happened. Sometimes it's just the length of the journey that can do you in, right? You're taking a road trip, and let's say you've got more than 12 hours to drive, right? You were driven more than 12 hours. How many has ever been brave enough to drive more than 12 hours at one time? You guys are amazing, also, I need your tips and tricks <laughs> for this. Uh, I was once on a trip that was longer than I ever could have imagined, and it was due to delays and a lot of other things, but I was on my way to Africa, and Africa's a long way away anyway, but then when stuff happens and things get delayed, it feels like you're just kind of in this limbo forever. And you're wondering, when am I going to arrive at my destination, right? There was one point in time where they boarded us on a plane. And we took off from Washington, D.C. to go to Dakar, Senegal, which is West Africa. And we landed there, but that was actually where we were connecting. But it wasn't a connecting flight. Those of us who were continuing on to Johannesburg, South Africa, had to stay on the plane. So 10-hour flight, landed, and then they say, you guys need to stay on the plane because you don't have visas to disembark. 
And so we stayed on the plane for two hours. And then we took off and had another 10-hour flight all the way until Johannesburg, South Africa. 22 hours in the same tube. That was kind of a nightmare. And I found myself midway through that trip so many times looking at the little map, you know, where you have a screen in front of you on the, on the chair in front of you, or the, yeah, the seat in front of you has a screen and you're punching it in. You can look at the map, the travel map to see the progress. It was never what I thought it was going to be. I always thought, oh, man, we've got to be like, oh, we've got to be like an hour away. And I look at the map. Six hours remaining. I think the Christian life feels this way often. Doesn't it? Where we're kind of doing our thing and it just feels like you're further away than you thought you were. Particularly when it comes to progress and growth. And you know that as I became a Christian, there are some things that God wants to eliminate from my life, and so I'm working on those things. And, and then I look at my life and evaluate in a progress report and discover that I'm not nearly as far along as I thought I was, right? Maybe it's a, well, I think for most of it, it's, it's sin issues. And these are tricky because sometimes you can feel like you've made further progress in some of these than you really have. Right, because all right, I've, I've, I'm a worrier. I, I tend to worry, so I'm going to work on my worry, work really hard on it, and I do. And over the course of a few months, and I've gotten a lot better. I've gotten way better. And then something happens in life, and then the next day, you worry up a storm, and you're like, "Oh, I thought I was further along in this journey than apparently I am," and. Slowly but surely, this starts to happen more and more often. And as it happens more often with sin issues in our life, things that we're trying to eliminate from our lives, making progress in the Christian faith, growing, it can slowly start to feel like lie number two. And lie number two is this. I'll never overcome my sin. I'll never overcome my sin. Every one of us here in this room today has something. You've got something. Now, if you're really honest, you've got some things, right? You've got something that you know is an issue. It's a sin issue. It's something that God has made clear to you. He has, in his Holy Spirit, gently convicted you of this particular issue and said, you know what, this thing's got to go. For some of us, it tends to be worry. For some, it tends to be bitterness. For others of us, maybe it's uh, a temper problem. Maybe for others of us, it's a lust problem. Whatever it is, there's something that the Holy Spirit has made clear to you. This needs to go. And you have said, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you've tried. And you've tried. And you've tried. And you've tried. And maybe for some of you, it's been years. Years since you have started praying about this. You've started going after this particular issue, and it still comes back with a vengeance, and you feel like, man, I'm never going to overcome my sin. This actually is a lie. It really is. Because 
if it were true that we can never overcome sin issues in our lives, then we've got to take a whole lot of verses in this Bible and throw them out. We've got to. Well, how do we do this then? Because it feels like I'm never making any progress. If you have felt like this, if you have felt a little bit helpless and sometimes hopeless at the prospect of removing sin issues from your life, maybe you're even disgusted with them too. You don't want to see them there, but they're still there. You still reach for the same things over and over again. If this is you, you're in the Bible. You are actually in the Bible. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. But before we get there, I've got a little wardrobe change. You see, the reason that this feels the way that it feels is because there's a war happening inside of me. There's a war happening between two me's. When I become a Christian and I give my life to Christ, there's a renewal that happens, right? And we just sang about this. We just sang about Jesus breaks every chain. But if that's true, how come it doesn't feel like every chain is broken? How come it feels like there are still things that I'm dragging around with me? That's because there are things that you're dragging around with you. And you have a battle that's waging inside of you between two me's, between the new me that God has started renewing and resurrecting and the old me, right? You guys ever feel this? Old patterns of thinking coming back old behavioral patterns, old ways of feeling, old responses to life. This is what's happening inside of each and every one of us who have given our lives to Christ. It really has. And if you are somebody who finds yourself struggling in an ongoing fashion with sin that doesn't seem to go away, welcome to the old me. Let's read about this. You're in the Bible, Romans chapter 7, verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I, this is Paul speaking, am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. Anybody there? For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. Okay? Old me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do, this is it right here. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Anybody find themselves there? For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do not do what I want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is a sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. 
But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sometimes I feel like I could have written that section of scripture myself. I do. Maybe some of these thought patterns are familiar to you. Well, I've tried almost everything at this point. I know that this particular issue in my life needs to go, and I just, I've got another strategy, and I'm going to give it another shot, and the people around me are just increasingly disappointed with me, but this is what I'm going to continue to do. I'm just going to keep trying and keep trying until someday I'm going to win. Someday I'm going to overcome this sin. But maybe you're not even there. Maybe you've given up. Many of us have. As we have encountered this reality in our lives, we've just given up. We've said, you know what? This thing, whatever it is, that's just the way I am. We say that all the time. That's just the way I am. I know I'm, I struggle with anger. You know what? I'm just an angry man. That's just the way I am. You know, I struggle with worry. Jesus tells us not to worry, but I struggle with worry. I'm just a worrier. That's just the way I am. Right? I know that God wants me to be more generous, but I have a tendency to be greedy. You know what? I, I, it's, it's, it's not that. It's just that, I, it's just that I like to know that I'm secure and that all of my finances are in order, and I like to know that I've got this in the bank for a rainy day. It's just the way I am. In Ephesians chapter 4, we see what Paul talks about when he's painting the picture of this reality that we find ourselves in. I've got it up on the screen for you. It says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness The image that Paul is using here is an image of clothing. That's why I've chosen shirts to communicate this today. Because really, this is what he's saying. He's saying, each and every day, the reality of the Christian is this. You have to take off one set of clothing and put on a new set of clothing every day. And I think many of us, because I've thought this way too, once I give my life to Christ, then then I'm forever changed. Yes, You now have a new me, but you still have the old me with you every single day. And guess which one is the one you wake up with? The old me. You only need to spend three or four minutes with me first thing in the morning to know that. Oh, that's old Steve, right? So how do we do this? Is there, if this is truly a lie, if it's a lie that I'll never overcome my sin, if that is not true, then there needs to be a way for us to do this. Well, there is a way for us to do this. It's just not as simple as maybe we want it to be. Right? It's not as simple as we want it to be. 
right? When I buy something from the store and I bring it home, I like no assembly required. That's what I like. But unfortunately, most of the time, it's what? Some. Some of the time it is. Others of the time, it's all assembly required. Here's the thing. And you think to yourself, man, is is it just a strategy that I'm getting wrong? Like, what is going on? Am Am I just not trying hard enough? Well, I hope that you see the truth here. Because the truth is not that we are not trying hard enough. Okay? For most of us. Maybe for some of us, that's true. We're not trying hard enough. But for most of us, it's something else. There's a three-step strategy that I'm going to give you today. Now, I'm not saying that this is the silver bullet in overcoming sin in our lives. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that it has helped me personally. And we're going to find that in Romans chapter 8. The next chapter, at right after this whole old me cycle starts, where Paul is saying, Oh, my goodness, I can't understand what I do. I don't know how to solve this problem. Who will save me from this? And then we get to Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, we see a few different things that I think are going to be important in this process. Let's begin in verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Okay, we actually are free. So this is possible. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Okay. Mindset. We're talking about the new me now, right? Because we've just read here in Romans chapter 8 that this is actually possible. God has set us free from the law of sin and death, which means that now... I don't have to sin. I'm not bound to it. It's not the only choice I have. I can choose on a daily basis to not sin. Well, the first thing that we got to do, if we're going to do this, I've got to make up my mind. I want you to write that in your notes if you can. Make up my mind. Right here in these verses, two times Paul uses the word mind. And he actually goes on to use it about four more times in the next few verses that we're going to look at today. I'm going to make up my mind. But about what? He says that those who live in the realm of the flesh, the old me, right? The old me. I'm going to put this back up over here. The old me has its mind set on what the flesh, what's that word? Desires. While the new me has its mind set on what the Spirit desires. All Christian sin, 
I'm talking Christian sin. You've given your life to Christ and you have sinful struggles. All Christian sin is a story about competing desires. Competing desires. This is what you have inside of you. This is what's going on right now. You have an old me that wants something and you have a new me that wants something. Right? Now, there might be a lot of things about us that are broken, but one of the things that doesn't seem to be broken is what I'll call our wanter. We want stuff, right? You good at this? Who's good at wanting things? Yeah? And you know what you want? All Christian sin is a story of competing desires. Here's why. James explains this to us in James chapter 1. I'm going to throw the verses up on the screen for you. Keep Romans 8 marked. James says this in James chapter 1. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil, what's that word? Desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This is how sin happens. This right here is how sin happens. You want something, and then when you realize that you want something, you have a decision to make. The decision that you have to make is how. How are you going to go about getting what you want? This is how sin happens. Think about this. Back at the beginning, it's the reason why we chose the image we did for the bulletin cover for Lies Believers Believe. Way at the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, Satan tempts Eve to eat the fruit that God said not to eat. Correct? Now, did he, did he succeed because she was really hungry? What did she want? You ever thought about this? She bit down on the apple. What did the apple represent? No, surely you will not die like God said. You will be like God. Knowing the difference between good and evil. And it says, when she saw that the fruit was shiny, I stopped by the Renhacks booth at the Apple Festival yesterday. And I thought about this immediately. You can eat their apples. God has not said you can't eat their apples. But I thought about this. Because they all look delicious and shiny. It says that Eve saw it and said that it looked delicious and shiny and attractive for eating. But there's a phrase in there that says, it says that it was appealing for wisdom. She wanted to have, she wanted to know what God knew. She wanted to have what God had. She wanted this thing. That's what it said that she wanted. In other words, she wanted more knowledge. She wanted to know more than she did. She wanted to be on a higher level than she was. Now, I think that God had every intention of growing Adam and Eve into more wise creatures as time went on. This is how he desires it for us. He wants us to grow in wisdom. But she decided that she wanted it when? Now. All Christian sin is a story of competing desires. So I'm asking you this right now. What do you want? 
What do you want right now? What are the, what are the things you want? Some of us really want to be important. I think others, others of us really, really want to feel loved. I think some others of us really, really want to feel wanted, needed. Do you see how this can lead us into sin frequently? And why this leads us back into thinking like the old me. Because the old me knows what it wants and it goes after what it wants, however it wants, whenever it wants. That's what it does. The new me says, no, what I want is to please God. But this is tricky. This is why it's so hard because these desires are competing within us. And we have to decide, I've got to make up my mind. Which direction am I going to go with my desire? Because this is the key to understanding this. Listen to this. It's James, another couple of verses later in James 1, 16 to 17. Listen, this is what he says. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. When we are thinking like the old me, here's what happens. I want something, and I don't think God is going to give it to me the way that I want it given to me. So I'm going to take matters into what? My own hands. The new me knows something else. I know what I want, but I know that everything that I want and long for, I can find in who? In God. And so I'm going to trust him to decide when and how all of my desires get fulfilled. It's competing desires. We have to make up our mind Am I going to have my mind set on what the flesh desires, my old me? Or am I going to have my mind set on what God desires, which is to have me completely entrusting all of my fulfillment to him? Many of us, I'm going to call guys out for a moment just because I'm one of them. And I know what this is like. Many of us guys reaching back for pornography and other things like that, watching things that we shouldn't watch on television or on the computer or on our phone now, and we're doing this. And many of us, many of us who've been doing this for years, if you've been doing it for years, you largely probably have never really thought about this. You don't know why you're doing it. It's gone so far, you don't know why you're doing it. Here's my encouragement to you. In the process of making up your mind, think about what you want. Think about your desires. Think about what it is you're actually trying to find there that you can only find in God. Right? All sin is like this. Whatever sin you're thinking of right now that you know, I've got I've to put that away. I'm trying to overcome this. This is the first step in doing this. You've got to figure out what it is that, what is it that you're looking for in that place that you can only find in God? Security, significance, love, what is it? This is one of the things that happens. Here's the second one. Let's continue on in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Here's what I want us to walk away from 
with this section. One of the first things we got to do is look at our desire and make up our minds which direction are we going to go. Here's the second one that we need to do. It's the second weapon in this process of overcoming sin. I want you to write this down. You have to complete your confession. You have to complete your confession. What do I mean? I think many times when we sin against God, when we fail, we are good at saying sorry. We say sorry, we confess after a sinful action of mine. But that's kind of where we stop. And unfortunately, in the process of doing war with our sin, we actually are working with an incomplete confession because there's actually more there to confess. I know this is true because sometimes I talk to people and I say to them, well, you need to work confession into your life on a regular basis. It's got to be an everyday spiritual discipline that you get down before the Lord and you confess your sin. And they look at me and they say, well, what if in the morning I haven't sinned yet? I say, okay, you are thinking like the old me. The old me, the flesh says, well, I can, I can hit God's standard if I just don't sin. And so I try really hard not to sin. And if I fail, then I beat myself up. But if I succeed, then I feel really good about myself. But the new me understands something different. The new me understands this, that the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. It means this. It's not just my action that I need to confess before the Lord. It's my condition. It's my very condition on a daily basis. When I wake up in the morning, I got to understand that I am a sinner from the start. It's not just that I do things that God doesn't want me to do. It's that I have a natural tendency to move toward things that he doesn't want me to move toward. I have to confess my condition, every single day. When you wake up in the morning, you have something to confess. You do. But I'll bet many of us in the room aren't doing this. We're not waking up in the morning and saying, Lord, I confess to you that I naturally want to go in a different direction than you want me to go. Do you realize the power in this? The power in this is that I'm no longer relegated to a life where I just need to try harder to make it work. That's not what God is expecting here, and that's not victory in this battle. The other form of power in this realization, if I'm confessing my condition, is that now I'm understanding myself for who I really am before God. There's a lot of power in that. If all I'm doing is confessing after I sin, and I'm just confessing my action, then I'm only treating the symptom of the disease and not the disease. You understand? There's, there's an image I think is going to help us with this. Off the shore, the Atlantic shore of France, is a town called Brittany. And for the last 30 years, they have been uh, experiencing a bit of a mystery. And here's the mystery. On their beaches... Garfield phones have been washing up. Garfield phones. That Garfield. They've been washing up. Hundreds and hundreds of them. 
for 30 years. Right. Look at this next image. Tons of them. They've, every time this happens, they clean them up. They clean up the beaches. And the beaches are fine for a little while. But guess what happens? Garfield comes back. This is, you can look this up. I'm not making this up. This has been true. For 30 years, it's been happening over and over and over again. Well, this year, they put it to an end. You know how? They figured out where it was coming from. There was a long-lost shipping container in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean that had been lost there 30 years ago, full of a shipment of Garfield foams. And when they actually went out there and found this thing and cleaned it up, guess what stopped happening? Am I confessing my sin after I sin? That's good to do. But if it's all I'm doing, I'm just treating the symptom of the disease. I'm not going, out, I'm not going to war at this at the source. I haven't gone out to the Atlantic Ocean to find the Garfield foams. They just keep washing up. So my stuff keeps coming back. If you want to make real progress in this battle, and you can, you can do this you got to start confessing your condition. Lord, right in the morning, right from the start. You, before you even get to a place where you're like, Man, Lord, I, Lord, I struggle with looking lustfully at other people. Instead of, well, Lord, I did this. In the morning, you can say, Lord, I want to do this. This is where I am. I need you to help me at this point in the battle. At that point, you are going after the source and not just the symptom. You understand? That's what the new me understands. There's no way, there's no standard to hit. Jesus already fulfilled the standard. Now there is a condition to be treated. And that's what God wants to do. Okay, I gotta make up my mind. Where am I going to have my desire fulfilled truly? Am I taking it into my own hands or am I trusting God? I gotta complete my confession. Am I actually confessing the source of my sin? Or just the symptoms of my sin. What my sin tends to look like. Here's the last thing we got to do. We have to plug into his power. This is probably the most important step of these three. I've done the first two many times in my life. And God has blessed them with effectiveness. But this one is where the money is. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. That's good news. If you've given your life to Christ, you keep living like the old me, but you don't have to. You are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin... The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Here's the money phrase. Cam sang about it this morning. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. I try to do war with my sin, but I continue to lose. This is just... The way that I am. It's just the way I am. I just struggle with this, and that's going to be the story until I die. Okay. When you explain your sin by saying that's just the way that I am, you are 
both lying and misstating the reality. You're not being who you are. You're being who you were. You're being who you were. And it's evidence that maybe you have been going about this with your own power, your own strength. And not been plugging into the reality that if you are conceding defeat to sin in your life, then you don't know, or at least haven't fully recognized, that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. It's in you. If that's the case, then you're just not using it. I told you about my long flight to Africa, right? All in the middle of this flight, I was watching a movie on my phone. And I got a low battery signal. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, this is not good. I'm going to have to talk to people. I love talking to people, just not when I've been on a flight for, you know, 14 and a half hours. Not at my best. But this thing's flashing, low battery, low battery, and I'm like, oh, great. I happen to be on a plane that was built in the mid-1970s, I think. So there's no, like, place to plug in. (laughs) I don't have this. And, of course, my tired mind, my ever-exhausted mind, I forgot the fact that, hey, (laughs) guess what I packed? I packed an external charger. But I'm, I'm for real with this. I was so tired and delirious and exhausted that I didn't even remember that. And my phone died. And it was about 25 minutes after my phone died that I realized, oh, I don't have to do this. <laughs> I can actually plug into the power that I have. Okay. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, just think of this right now. How many of you, Going after sin in your life, battling sin in your life, are exhausted. You're exhausted, and you're tired, and you don't have the answer, and you're full of anxiety. Maybe it's because you haven't plugged into a power source that you maybe don't even realize you have. You have this, but how do we actually enact it? Okay. I think many preachers have stood up and they've said, you need to plug into the resurrection power that's in you. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. And everybody goes, amen. And then they walk out of the room. And I thought to myself, what does that mean? How do I do that? Okay, Lord, power up. And then I fall flat on my face again. Okay, this is both simpler and more difficult than we are giving credit to. I want you to look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There's one verse in here that is pretty familiar to those of us who have been around church for a while. But I want to highlight it as we're closing here today. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, okay? We're all in this together. Say we're all in this together. Okay. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Okay, so if I'm facing temptation and I'm falling down in front of it, I'm not using the right power source, correct? Now, here's the thing. The desires don't go away. You will face the temptation. The temptation will happen over and over and over again in your life until you die. That's how 
this works. I'm not truly, fully cleansed of my sinful nature until after this life is over. But I don't have to give in to it every time like I do right now. Well, how do we do this? But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way, what's that word? Out, so that you can endure it. Now let me ask you this. What is the way out? Do you know what the way out is? I, I've, I've encountered so many people who they can, they can quote this verse they can recite this verse. They have it memorized. And I asked them that question. And they said about as much as you said to me just now. I don't know. Okay. I said this is simpler but more complicated. Simpler but harder than we give credit for. Here it is. Prayer. Prayer. Prayer is a very powerful weapon in the war against sin because every time I pray, I'm admitting something. I'm admitting that I don't have what it takes to do whatever it is I'm praying about. I don't have it. I need help. I need help. I need help. That's what every prayer says. But it's not just praying, though. It's not just praying. It's not just praying. It's not just what I pray. It's when I pray. Okay, this is the best, this is the best strategy I've got. I'm going to give it to you right now. So, like, after this, I don't have any other ones. I'm, I'm kidding. I will do my best for you. But this is really, I'm giving you the best thing I've got. In the moment of temptation, pray. <laughs> You're like, really? That's it? Yes, that's it. Because I'm willing to bet that most of us, when we are faced with the temptation to follow through on the sin that the old me wants to do, we don't actually pray in the moment. I don't sit and say, Lord, I am facing this temptation. This is what I want to do right now. Right now, I'm feeling the temptation to do this. Can you help me not do this? How many of us have a conversation like that with God on a regular basis? If you want to overcome the sin in your life, and you can because the power of the risen Lord resides within you, this is what we've got to do. We've got to gear up like the new me, not the old me. And the new me knows that I don't have what it takes. i got to plug into that power. So in the moment of temptation, where am I going? On my knees. Now you're thinking, well, that means I'm going to end up praying like 47 times a day. Yeah. Yar. Paul said pray continually. He meant it. Because he knew you would need it. If you are going to have any prayer against the things that have plagued you for years, you have to, in the moment, pray continually. you got to plug into his power or else you are just going to be left with your own strategies. And your own strategies might be effective for a day or two, but after that, they're not going to work anymore. This is going to put me on my knees constantly. Yes, it is. Get on your knees constantly. You will see victory in your sin. Because guess what? He has broken every chain. He has broken every chain. But you got to put on the new me. you got to think like the new me and not the old me in order to move forward down this road. Would you stand, please, as we close?
this last portion of Romans 8 that we read over. I'm just going to read it over you one more time as we wrap up today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what particular sin issue is the number one in your life. I've got like a number one, two, and three in mine. (laughs) But I'm telling you the truth. For every single one of these on my list, I'm going at it like this on a daily basis. And God has shown himself faithful in the process. You got a sin? What do you want? What is it that you are using the sin to fulfill that only Christ can fulfill? Confess your condition every day. It's not just what I'm doing. It's what's in my heart. Get on it. Confess before you do something. And plug into his power. In the moment of temptation, you are praying. And this is why God is going to, he's going to, I know he's going to show himself faithful to you in this battle because of this. If Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and it is, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I'll never overcome my sin. That, my friends, is a lie. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the truth that you've given us today. Lord, enable us to go after sin in our lives your way and not our way. Lord, help us to lean completely in your direction. And I pray that you will show yourself faithful as we do these things and we do the hard things and we do the things that require constant prayer. Lord, rush to our side as we rush to yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.